Well, in this season of COVID-19 and the pandemic that we find ourselves in, there's so much that has changed. The way we relate as a spiritual community. I mean, we're not gathering here at the facility. We are meeting in our homes and and digitally online. Our small groups aren't meeting in homes, but they're meeting over Zoom. I think even in our workplaces, you might be working from home. I think of teachers in schools that are needing to instruct online. There's so much that has changed. And yet, in the midst of all of the change, there's much that stays the same. There are still people looking to serve and help others. At Scarlet City Church and many churches have collected a lot of money. We've, we've collected almost $12,000 to provide financial relief to those who are impacted financially from the pandemic. Uh, before the uh, virus, we had a meal once a month at our facility to provide food and community for those in our neighborhood and those in need. And we're still doing that. Just this past week, this past Wednesday night, we handed out a number of meals to those in need. Many churches, many organizations are serving and helping. I think of the teacher of of our eight-year-old Bennett's second grade class. She'll meet with the kids over Zoom, and she's such an encouraging, educating, and caring presence to to the kids. There's so many people doing good things in this season. And yet in this season, another thing that has stayed the same is that while there are people helping, there are those who are hurting others. There are people who are using the situation for selfish means. There are a number of scams that are going out that the government and media have tried to warn against. Beware of this. USA Today, the newspaper, provided the top 10 COVID-19 scams. And here's a few of them that you need to be aware of, beware of, watch out for. Uh, Expedited stimulus checks. If you haven't gotten your money yet or you're waiting or you get an email or phone call from someone who sounds like an official and they say you can, they, you can get more money if you give them your account information, beware. It's probably a scam. Beware of tech support. This is something I didn't know, but if you are trying to find the customer service phone number for a company you're trying to contact, it's so hard to find it on their website. They, they don't want me to call, <laughs> uh, so they hide the number somewhere on their website. So I'll sometimes Google the company and their helpline, and the number might be a, a, a scammer who put it online knowing you'd call. And so they represent themselves as if they're that company, and you give the information, and you could be scammed. They said, watch out for donation scams. People claiming to be doing good work, claiming to be helping others, and you give them money. And rather than it being funneled to care for others, it is funneled into their bank account for their selfish use. Another one was beware of uh, miracle cures. Many pastors on television claim to, that they have something from God to cure you of the virus. And if you just send them your money, beware, this is a scam. People who use a difficult and challenging situation and they pretend to be something in order to take your resources, to take your money. Jesus, in our passage, he begins, he says, watch out for, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. 
Jesus says, be on alert. There are people who will look the part. They'll claim to be a prophet. They'll drop the name of Jesus. They may even, as we saw in our text, they may do powerful and great things in the name of Jesus. But beware, because inwardly they're voracious wolves. They're not seeking your help or healing or flourishing. They're merely seeking to use you for selfish gain. And just like there's people who will scam and provide false donations, and they'll pretend to be getting you your stimulus check when really they're just taking your money, beware, there are some spiritual leaders, and Jesus even broadens it to disciples of Jesus. There are some followers of Jesus that are counterfeit. They're not the real deal. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's laying out this vision for human flourishing. And now we're moving to the end, and he focuses now in these last few metaphors and illustrations about wisdom and discernment. And here he's wanting to get at how to be discerning about an authentic spiritual leader and Jesus' disciple and a counterfeit, an inauthentic, a, as he uses, a wolf. And now as we're entering into this important question of discernment, you know, it, it does require discernment. It requires a high degree because sometimes there's things, people who are scamming in ways where it's pretty obvious if they're caught what they're doing. If someone's trying to take your money from a donation scheme or a stimulus check scheme, it's pretty clear if you got underneath it, you would see they're doing something illegal. But Often in spiritual leadership, in matters of God, false prophets, they themselves think they're doing the right thing. They might not think they're a wolf. I mean, even in the context in which Jesus is giving this teaching, who are the wolves he has in mind? It is the spiritual leaders of the time. It is a group of Pharisees who... Everyone looked at, they said, these are the people that look the part. These are the authoritative teachers of God's word. These are the people we need to follow. And yet Jesus says, many of them, when you go underneath the surface, you will see that they're not an authentic follower or spiritual leader. They're a wolf. And some of these same people, the irony is, is that they accuse Jesus of being led by Satan. And so it requires, it should lead in us this, this check of discernment. How to not be a gullible follower just because someone drops the name of Jesus, just because someone drops a Bible verse. It does not necessarily mean they reflect the, the Father's will. And so what does it look like for us as we evaluate spiritual leadership, but also ourselves? As followers of Jesus, that we sober-mindedly are able to take a pause and a check to reflect. Are we genuinely following Jesus? Are we authentically desiring him and his will and his work in the life, or are we counterfeit? And so let's look for four things in our passage that allow us to discern authentic spiritual leadership and counterfeit followers of Jesus. First, again, how to discern a genuine spiritual leader and Jesus follower. We need to consider the fruit over time, not first impressions. We need to evaluate the character of a person over time, not give all the weight to our initial impression of a person. 
In the text, Jesus says, you will recognize them, that's wolves, you will recognize them by their fruit. Grapes are not gathered from thorns or figs from thistles, are they? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus is saying there's a connection between the fruit, what you see, and the root, the heart. But it will only be distinguished over time. Often a, a wolf or a counterfeit follower of Jesus, a, an inauthentic spiritual leader, can put on the show for a time. But eventually, eventually, the fruit will reveal the root. In this season, uh, Megan and I have are really, one of the things, a uh, hobby that we've entered into is gardening. And so recently we built some raised garden beds and we're planting a number of vegetables and really excited about this. And I'm, and I'm like all in, I'm ready. I'm like, next step is some chickens. Maybe we'll have some cows, you know, I'm ready to farm. You know, maybe rather than getting to the fruit of all of that, I need to just be faithful in the small things. Like if I can't grow broccoli, probably milking a cow isn't going to happen. But one of the things in this that we were reminded of and that we're learning is, you know, you plant that seed and that seed is if it's tended well, if it's in good soil and it's watered and it gets sunlight, it will produce fruit. It will grow something. And what you see, what's grown reveals the seed, reveals what it began as. And you won't know right away. If you plant something in soil, it takes time. But eventually, eventually, you'll see. When it comes to discerning genuine spiritual leaders and Jesus followers and those who are counterfeit, it takes time. But eventually, the fruit you see will reveal what's in the heart. And that leads to our second area of discernment, Discerning a genuine spiritual leader and follower from a counterfeit, you know, in the text, it's interesting. Jesus says, he, he says, um, there, the trees and the fruit. It's not that something's planted and it won't have fruit. Both will have fruit. Some fruit leads to life and others lead to death and destruction. It's not whether there will be fruit or not, but what fruit is produced and here we see one of the things, the fruit that Jesus gets to is someone who aligns their will with God the Father. They, they desire to submit to the Father's will, not just their own. Jesus puts it this way in verse 21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, only the one who does whose will? The will of my Father. This is about knowing, obeying, and resting in God's will. This is seeking to have a relationship with God where at the core we seek to submit our will, align our will with His will, not seek to align His will with our will. Now this is hard. This is very, very challenging. We shouldn't pretend that it's not because as human beings, as people, we all have a will. We all have desires and things we want to see happen. And it's hard when our will doesn't align with someone else's. You know, in families, nothing can be nastier when there's dispute over 
the last will and testament of a family member who's died, especially if they're leaving a lot of money and resources for family members. And what happens sometimes is people begin to argue they want more, they want the money. And what essentially they're doing is they're saying, yes, this person might have their will, this might be what they wanted, but it's not my will. It's not what I want. And they want to bend that person's will and testament to align with their own. And many of us relate to God this way. We struggle with obeying God. We struggle with passages like this here that might speak about judgment and might call us to sacrificial giving and living. We struggle with those passages when they don't easily align with our will. And what compounds the problem, something we need to be on alert of, are those who claim to be doing the will of God. Those who drop Jesus' name, as we've said, and yet they're not about Jesus' will. They're not about the Father's will. They're just using the will of God. They're using Jesus' name for their own selfish ends. And so this, we need to have a check here. Are we joining God or are we merely trying to use him to join us in our will? At Scarlet City, our mantra, what we say is we're a people joining God's story of transformation and renewal. We're, we, when we think of God's work in our lives personally and in our city and world, we want to join him. We want to do his will. Now, here's the thing, though. We can all say that. But it requires a high degree of discernment and reflection and walking with God to actually do it. This means just because someone quotes a Bible verse, just because someone heals someone and does a miraculous thing, it does not mean it aligns with the will of God. We must ask humbly, are we aligning with the will of the Father? And the good news is that Jesus and God, he doesn't hide his will. He doesn't. He, he actually, it's actually very quite clear. The, the broad will of God, what he wants to do in the world, in your life, in my life, this isn't like chasing a shadow. So many times we think of the will of God. Does God want me to go to this school or that school? Take this job or that job? This, it can feel like this shadow we're trying to chase. And like, ah, I got God's will. But then it slips out. No. Jesus is very clear. In the whole Sermon on the Mount, it's about the will of the Father. The Gospels reflect God's heart, God's will. Paul writing these epistles to churches, he's reflecting God's will in life. And so, friends, it means that we humbly, we engage the Scriptures, and we prayerfully discern what's the heart of God, and is my heart reflecting his heart? And, and the heart of God is love him, and love others. If we focus on that, we're heading in the right direction. So discerning a genuine spiritual leader and follower of Jesus requires discerning, are they aligning their will with the Father's will? And then again, and then he unpacks that a little more. What is the Father's will? And here we see we need to prioritize godliness over giftedness. After Jesus talks about the will of God the Father in verse 22, he qualifies it. He says, On that day, 
on the day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do many powerful deeds in your name? What is God's will? What does he look at and say, that reflects my character? Jesus is saying you can do something impressive. You can be applauded by others. You can drop his name. You can do powerful deeds, deeds that people will look at and say, wow, God must be in it, and yet not reflect the character and will of God the Father. I think as we consider this kind of thing, it's important that we ask, do our measures of success personally and even as a church, are those reflected of God's measures of success? In our consumeristic world, in our world of hype and manufacturing some great image, there can be this temptation to focus on the externals, to focus on performance and doing something big and great that's newspaper worthy, that draws a large crowd. And yet if you do all the externals, you do the impressive, fast, large thing, and you have a heart that doesn't reflect character and godliness, you, we, we miss the heart of God. And I think as people, we, we need to humbly have some diagnostic questions. And here's a few that I reflect on personally as, as a leader, a few questions that I wrestle with. Am I transparent about my shortcomings? Or do I try to project togetherness and strength? In other words, am I able to be open about things I don't know? You know, sometimes as a pastor, it's tempting to think that I got to give the answers to any Bible question. Just this past week, our, our son Bennett, he, he got his first Bible and he's reading it. And he is starting in Genesis and I'm, I love it. I love it. And he, and he asked questions. He asked a, a really good question. He said, who were the wives of Cain and Abel? You know, you had Adam and Eve, and then they had sons. Well, who were their wives? Was it their sisters? <laughs> oh, who, who was it? And, and my response was, I, I don't know. I don't know. Then it asked, who, how did Moses write Genesis if he wasn't there? In some sense, I, God revealed it, but I don't quite know. There's so many things I don't know. And I never want to feel like I have to be in a position to have the answers to things God doesn't make clear. Are we able to be transparent and say, I don't know? Are we able to share the struggles and the weaknesses? Or do we always have to project answers and strength? Another one, a mentor, has encouraged me routinely about. He said, do I care more? Do you care more about the character of your heart or your reputation?" Friends, there's so many times where people will form judgments about you. They will look at your reputation, and it may go through the mud, but you know what? Do we care more about what's in here? When we think about this in the workplace, there might be others, when you do the right thing, they're going to slander you. They're going to be upset with it. You're, you're not doing their will. Do we care more about the character of our heart, our standing that, that God knows, that God sees? We can trust His 
discernment of, of our heart? Or are we focused on defending our actions and our reputation? Do we speak well of others? Or do we stoke division? It's so tempting when people aren't around to harp on their shortcomings and failings and, and find the little issues and focus on them as a way of promoting ourselves. Do we speak well of other people? Do we, do we have a cynical heart that always finds the problems? Or do we have a gracious spirit that, that assumes the best in people? Do we confess sin? Or do we, are we preoccupied with the shortcomings of others? You know, a, a mark of a person who's aligned with the will of God is not that they confess less, it's that they confess more. Do we, are we leaders in our homes and in our communities and our workplaces? Do we model repentance? It takes courage to apologize. It takes courage to take responsibility and ownership for our shortcomings. Do we model that in our life? These are diagnostic questions that that bring us to a point of discerning. Are we genuinely following Jesus? Do we genuinely align our will with his or are we counterfeit? Seeking merely to use things for our own ends. And this leads to our last marker of discernment, which may be the most important. How to discern an authentic spiritual leader and Jesus follower from a counterfeit This is a person who builds their life on the grace of God, that they are justified, they are saved by God's grace, not their work and effort. In verse 22, again, Jesus says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we? Then they fill in with their accomplishments. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many powerful needs in your name? How are you tempted to fill in that blank? When you stand before God one day, what are you banking on to allow him, for him to allow you into his kingdom? Didn't I, didn't I go to church, God? Didn't, didn't I give Didn't I, during that pandemic, didn't I help people? God, these are the deeds, God. Didn't, do you not see them and I did them in your name? And what's the problem here? In verse 23, Jesus says, Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You see, they claim to know Jesus. They came to do things for Jesus on his behalf, but he didn't know them. You see, how can we be Not just do things in the name of Jesus, but how can we be known by Jesus? How can we be united with him and be part of his family? Jesus, we're reminded, before the cross, he had this prayer and he weeps and he said, God, may this cup pass from me. The cup was the cup of judgment on the cross. Jesus knew the cross was before him. Jesus said, May this cup pass, but what? But not my will, but yours be done. What was the will of God the Father? The will of God the Father for Jesus and for all of us is that Jesus drank the cup of judgment so that we could experience the feast of forgiveness. Jesus' work was to be a perfect 
sacrifice, that he gave his life, that all who have faith in him are not defined by death, but their future is defined by resurrection. Friends, this is what makes the gospel utterly distinct. Jesus' teaching here is part of the larger body of his mission in his work. And his mission and his work was not a message of good advice that if you do this enough, if you do it the right way, then you're accepted. It is, a good, it is a message of good news of what's been done for you and me. And a genuine, an authentic spiritual leader and Jesus follower, they are someone who build their life on the gospel. They build their life on God's grace. And there's fruit, friend, there's fruit that we see when that becomes the seed in our heart, when it roots deep down, then it leads to fruit in our life. A person who builds their life on grace, they have a humble confidence, a humble confidence. They're humble. Jesus, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. You see, Jesus understands that when you're a follower of his, there's a humility. We're poor in spirit. We know that before God, we, we, don't, we don't come with it all together. We, you know, we don't bring all the patches on our Boy Scout and Girl Scout vest, the patch of giving, the, past of leading, the patch of leading a small group, the patch of doing good works, to stand before him and say, God, look at all the patches of good works. Wow. You've done some nice things, Jay. I guess you made it. No. No. We bring one patch, and that's Jesus and his sacrifice. And that leads to a humility that that allows us and and me as a leader to engage God's word and to engage his will in a in a degree of honesty and reflection, humility to say, you know, I don't have all the answers. I need God. I need others. We need each other. We can be humble, but also confidence. That our security, because our faith is in Jesus, our security isn't rooted in our, our work. Our security, our security is rooted in his. And so we confess and we're humble, but we have security. That our work and our life and our justification isn't dependent on what everyone else thinks of us. It's not being accepted socially. It's not allow, It's not the religious leaders and what they say. It's in Jesus. Does your life and my life reflect the humble confidence of a person who's the seed of the gospel has dug in deep root in our heart and then leads to fruit in our life? Friends, I'm going to pray in just a moment. And then Jenny Hunt, who's our Mercy Ministry Director, she's going to lead us in a time of reflection as we consider what does it look like to be present with God and present in our world. And I want to invite you. You know, it it can be easy to tune it out. It can be easy in a passage like this to think, who are all the wolves? I want to invite us to have the courage to reflect personally, to discern How are we aligning our will with God's? To discern what is the fruit that we can celebrate in our life? To discern what are the ways we're banking on giftedness and not godliness, and what are the ways we can root our life in grace? Father, thank you that you bring liberation, that you bring freedom, that you free us from the need to 
have it all together and be perfect so that we could be accepted by you. But you sent your son who was perfect. And may he be our cornerstone. May he be the seed in our life that leads to the fruit of love, love for you, love for others. And it leads to humility, meekness, and the strength to be a redemptive presence in our world. Amen.